Early Research Stories. Your podcast uncovering stories from influential figures in the field of learning and instruction. What motivated them to become researchers? What are their next projects? And what advice do they have for young researchers of early the European Association for Research on Learning and Instruction? Your host, Stefan Siegel. Welcome to episode 7 of the Early Research Stories podcast. I'm happy that you tuned in again. Today's guest is Edith Brown. Edith is full professor for teaching and learning in higher education with a focus on teacher education at the Justus Liebig University in Gießen in Germany. She studied psychology in Marburg and Berlin and completed her doctorate on the Berlin Evaluation Instrument for Self-Evaluated Student Competencies in 2006. She is engaged in several professional associations and founding member of the German Society for Higher Education Research. Edith is currently leading two large third-party funded research projects in teacher education. Her research and international publications focus on diverse areas including performance-based measurement, quality assurance and development of higher education and teacher education. I'm very pleased to welcome Edith and I do hope that you enjoy this episode. A warm welcome, Edith. How are you doing and where are you calling from? Hi. So thank you very much for the introduction, for this very kind introduction and for inviting me as a guest uh, to your podcast. So um, I'm sitting in Berlin where I'm based with my, with my family. But as you just said, I'm working at the Justus Liebig University in Gießen. So I'm in two different places during the week, but today I'm in Berlin. It's good to have you on this podcast. And as in all episodes, let's begin with the first thematic area. Your personal career means your journey and your motivation for becoming a researcher. Could you tell us, please, how and why you started your academic career? Yes, thank you. The start has been to work as a student assistant, I would say. So someone told me that working as a student assistant at a university is a fun and a well-paid job. So I thought, yes, I will try that. So that's why I started as a student assistant and I became familiar, familiar with research. Until then, no one in our family had been involved in research and academia. So it was a very good point to get around and to get more experience in this field. After I finished my diploma, I got to know Bettina Hanover, who is a professor of educational psychologist and social psychologist, and I started to work with her. And until then, I never thought I would become an academia or a researcher, but she was the best guide for a career in, in science and research. So today, I see the time when I was working at a doctoral thesis as a very important and formative phase. But looking back, I have to commit that it was not always a pleasure and it was not a comfort time at that time. At some point, um, we realize how limited our statements can be and we cannot change the whole world. So even though it was not the best fun time, it was very important learning phase. And I think it was a good fundament to continue. And 
To be honest, also to participate, the tour was a very important building block in my career. On the one hand, it served the so important international network to get to know other young researchers in the area of learning and instruction. And I received very helpful feedback in a very constructive atmosphere. So the early is still a conference I like to attend myself, but I also like to motivate my junior scientists to participate. Thank you for your insights there and into your personal journey. When you think of the beginning of your career, what would you say, what is your most memorable early career accomplishment? I just talked about the student assistant and actually I worked in the area of student assessment on studying and teaching in higher education. And at the same time, I had a second job. I worked with a mathematics teacher in school. So competency-based teaching was a big topic at that time in school, but nobody was talking about competency acquisition in higher education even though the Bologna process in Europe was on, a go, was on the way. See, at that point, I thought it would be good to develop and implement a competency-based evaluation, which I did in my PhD thesis. At that time, I didn't realize how much it would break with tradition to ev evaluate a teacher. Accordingly, there was a lot of resistance at the first time. But fortunately, the innovative and educational psychological view was seen and honored in academia. It was my very first and also very important article in which I published competency-based teaching evaluation with my colleagues. And for my PhD, I received the Ulrich Teichler Prize of the German Society for Higher Education Research. Looking back, I would say that in research, it counts to deal with something what seems exciting to yourself, and it is strange why no one else has researched on that area. So that was the way I did it by myself. That's super interesting to hear. Um, could you tell us about a person or a mentor who made an impact on you or set you on your present path? You mentioned Bettina Hanover, but were there other people or why did uh, Bettina Hanover play such an important role for you? I would definitely say Bettina Hanover was one of the most important and influenced persons. And as you, I already mentioned her, and she was always very um, motivating and very performance oriented. I always received support and learned a lot from her. And she just got an award for her uh, being such a good supervisor. Someone of you might have heard about it. But she was not the only person of um, so you always need a network. I would also say that Margaret Bielus-Schramm, who was on the board of the Society of Research in Higher Education in Germany for a long time, and she supported a number of young women scientists. So she was very influential as well. And as I said, um, and you, I think you mentioned it in your introduction, that we built up uh, this, the German society. So also being connected with other young researchers in the area of higher education has been very influencing for me. Today, I would say it is very important to have models with whom we as a female researcher can identify 
And it's, it is precisely because of these role models that I'm very concerned about promoting other young, young scientists. Yeah, thank you for your insights here as well. I definitely agree on the part of the role models. Moving on to our second thematic area, the research in your field and future research. What do you think? What have been the major changes in your fields of research since you have been working on it? Mm -hmm. Thank you. That was a good question. I, I had to think about it, but I started as a researcher in education. But right now, I'm very fascinated by the changes that are taking place in higher education system around the world. So on the one hand, it is fascinating to see that research on teaching and study, but also research on research and the third part, the governors of higher education systems are converging. So they are really growing together and there are questions you cannot answer without knowing the other field. And it's becoming clear that there are various components they are working together. So we increasingly know from international comparison that the strengths of a system can quickly weaken if it is believed that certain processes can simply be transferred from one to another system to the higher education system. At the same time, we can learn a great deal from international perspective. I find it extremely exciting to preserve the strengths of national system and at the same time not to close ourselves off from contempor contemporary changes. So a a <laughs> for me to do research and analysis in this area and be aware that you never can know everything but there are other people also working on it, it's a great thing for me. Um, what are you currently working on? What is consuming your time and energy? You already alluded to it. <laughs> um, so in general, I would say I split my time between administration, lecturing and research. And during the semester, I spent most of my time teaching and coordinating teaching, of course. But what I enjoy the most is to discuss the value and the goals of higher education with my team. So. At the moment, we compare and combine the contem contemporary demands of society with a traditional organization of higher education. We are using quantitative and qualitative data, for example, video and interviews we are combining, but also different sources like students and graduates. And we use theory from several references disciplines. So I, that's what I really enjoy while I'm working. So we just started a project, a horizon project, where we do the international comparison from different countries. But also we started a bigger project, the so-called Hessian credit survey, where we all use the same survey to compare credits with students' perspective and what they are actually doing. That sounds really interesting, but also very demanding. Um, in your opinion, what will be the most important questions you are continuing to work on? What are your next goals regarding your research? So now I'm speaking not from my per I'm, I'm speaking from my personal view, but I'm, I'm talking about questions I cannot meet or, or analyze by myself. So I think we need a whole community to work to work. 
So I think we really, it would be great to have a bigger understanding of the landscape of our research, including learning and instruction. But we need the collaboration between the natural sciences, humanity and social sciences. And I would like to illustrate this with a few questions. One of my master's students, she did research with NEPS, which is a, you know, a infrastructure um, providing secondary analysis or data for secondary analysis. So while she was doing her analysis, she was asking, or we reached a bigger understanding that using existing data, whether, whether it's big data or from research infrastructure, the research questions are adapted to the data. So there are some questions we cannot analyze with the existing data. So what we do at the moment, and it's not just one PhD or one master, a lot of people using infrastructure, existing infrastructure, and we adapt our questions to the data set and not the other way around. So that's, it's not simple for me. So I think this will shape our research and I'm not quite happy about it, but I would like to understand it a little bit more. What can education achieve? So we are increasingly facing a growing group of people who trust traditional professional institutions like higher education less. So can we provide an understanding of science or of research through a good long-term education so that research results and reports are understood by more people. Can we afford this? Can education be used to be an answer to these questions? But also normative questions. What is the goal of education? Is education a public good? Is it desirable that we teach and defend human rights and democracy? Is it desirable? that education is financed by the state. And so that education is primarily committed to itself without distancing itself from society. Is it legitimate for a large maker cooperation to claim to offer education at a higher education level? So these are quite normative questions and we need empirical, but also a broader theory and a broader understanding to address these questions. <clears throat> so I'm convinced that research in higher education will become even more important than it has been in the last decades. I think these are big questions that we need multiple data sources uh, to answer them adequately. Mm -hmm. um, let's move on to our third thematic area. Um, it is about your involvement in early and potential advice you might have for young researchers. Um, but first, what does being a part of early mean to you? And what are your most memorable experiences when you think about early? Yes, thank you. So I think it's not a, it's not a surprise that you ask me as an interview partner, because we know each other from early. So I'm attending it quite regularly. So for me, it's early one of the most important scientific communities where international experts in education research meet. So I like the multidisciplinary and the high level of knowledge. And unforgettable are the conference dinners, whether on the beach or on a rooftop, uh, rooftop terrace. So 
for me, the early is a perfect combination of having a joy, but also to enjoy working. So it's a good balance. That sounds good. Uh, could you give some advice for future higher education researchers? What would be your top tips? Yes, um, so of course, everyone has to make their own experiences and their own and find their own way. What I can share uh, is that difficult phases are part of a career. There's no question. And it doesn't matter whether you are in research or somewhere else, there will be always tough times. But we should not stay too long in environments where we feel we do not fit in. So if we feel we collect our experiences and also demanding and challenging experiences are worse, but we should not stay too long there because I'm, I think then it's not good for anyone. So changes are part of science and research. We should be aware of that. And of course, it's always good but not very easy to find a balance between uh, persevering, not to giving up too early, but also leaving in time. So research is a lot of fun, but I'm convinced that it's not the only profession that makes you happy. So we should be open to all sorts of possibilities. Uh, thank you so much, Edith, for your insights and reflections. It was a pleasure listening to you. Thank you as well at home for your interest in this podcast. Did you find this research story empowering? Do you have questions, comments or suggestions for a future guest on this podcast? Then get in touch with me via mail, Twitter or per voice message. This is a podcast produced by the European Association for Research on Learning and Instruction in collaboration with the Institute of Business Education and Educational Management and the Media Lab at the University of St. Gallen. Thank you for listening and see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.